Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Attinger, bringing you a little bit of a different flavor, if you will, today with the episode. Uh, recurring guest back on the show, Nick Dice, is going to join us and talk about all things NFL and just the offseason as a whole. Some of the storylines relating to the Browns, some of them, hey, they might not relate to the Browns, but it's the time of year where it's time to take a step back and take a look at all of the other teams around the league. Nick, I know you're a Knicks fan though, man. How are you hanging in here with uh, game two about to tip off as we record this? I'm doing all right, man. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. it this is the uh, second time I think I've been on your show. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually picked against the Browns the last time I was on and I was right. But uh, I don't want to bring that negative energy onto your program. So thanks again for having me on. As far as the Knicks go, I currently have them on over my shoulder to my right. But yeah, listen, heartbreaker, game one. It sucks. Um, I don't want to turn this into a Knicks program. A lot of questionable decisions. And our best player didn't show up, long story short. So hopefully tonight we tie the series. We go back to Atlanta and uh, we feel better about things. Look, a lot of the Browns fans out there, of course, are also Cavs fans. And for a long time, the NBA playoffs was really the only time we got that feeling. And, of course, things changed this last season for the Browns, finally making it back to the playoffs for the first time since 2002. And having skin the game for the NFL playoffs, man, is it just different with one game. I just I don't I don't know if I've ever been so stressed watching a single game like that where I just like I couldn't even yell scream outside of when Pittsburgh snapped the ball over Big Ben's head that at that point I actually I I got up and screamed a little bit but outside of that man I was just so stressed in this one game scenario with my team it's just a whole different ball game with the NFL in the NBA it's like yes obviously game seven has that feeling but a lot of times you're just kind of like all right especially with LeBron Kind of never felt like we were out of it until until we had lost the series. Well, you bring up a lot of fascinating points, and it's something that I've been harping on my show the last couple of months with, you know, March Madness being in the fold as well. I think the one thing that the NFL has, as well as March Madness over the other sports, is the one-game setup in the playoffs, the sense of urgency. Brown's got to show up on that playoff game because if they no show they're guess what? They're going home. The Knicks have the luxury of, yeah, you drop game one Lakers drop game one. You don't want to be the Clippers where you drop both games at home there. That, that's a, that's a little bit of a, a no, no, but you do have more games that you can adjust to. And I mean, with LeBron in all, but two seasons, LeBron James has dropped a game one in the playoffs. So, and last year he did it twice, right? They lost to Portland in game one, and then they lost to Houston in game one. And guess what? They won the title. So LeBron led teams. They just, for some reason, Henry, they just seem to drop game ones. But with the NFL, you can't drop any games in the playoffs. Hell, even in the regular season too, those games just mean so much. So it's exciting, man. The, the, the playoffs have been really, really interesting for sure. Yeah, I mean, but it, it, to jump back to the, uh, you know, the Browns a little bit in the NFL, uh, I saw, you know, when the schedule was coming out in, a, a few weeks ago, the Browns draw the Chiefs and they they released just week one first to start, right? And you're like, okay, 
And I know Browns fans, there are a lot of Browns fans with, with, with a lot of confidence out there, and as they should be. But uh, I, I'm not going to favor the Browns uh, in that game. In fact, I've already placed money on the Chiefs uh, against the spread in that game, as, as uh, the Browns fans listening to this podcast well know. And then I was sitting there and I was like, okay, I can't wait for the rest of the schedule to come out because if the Browns get the Packers in week two or the Ravens in week two, man, this could be a, a tough start where they really got to come out of the gates here ready to go. And instead, thankfully, they draw the Texans and the Bears. And so ultimately the schedule looks like it'll be just fine for the Browns. But you really have those moments where you're like, schedule means a lot for these teams. The, every single game is potentially the difference between you winning the division, not winning the division, making the playoffs, not making the playoffs. And then of course, once you get there, that's a whole different ball game as well. But it's just been a, a crazy uh, off season to really have to think about these things as a Browns fans, where all of a sudden I'm like, I, I got to see how, how they're going to stack up versus the Ravens versus the Steelers. It's different. Yeah, I, I know we uh, I don't know if we had these in the plans, but one thing that I've been doing, it's around the time where I shoot this video series called 32 and 32, where every day for 32 straight days, I do a team preview in under a minute. And I kind of talk about their record in one score games, what the win total is and a big schedule takeaway. I think one thing one thing that's really changed for me over the years is, yeah, you know who you're playing every season like the divisional rotations you have. And then you have an idea that, all right, I finished second in my division. I'm going to play this team that finished second as well. Uh, one thing with the Browns that was really, really interesting is they play 12 straight games to open up the season. And mm -hmm. there's, there's no bye week in that sweet spot of week eight to 10, right? That's usually when a team likes to have their bye week. Well, this year it's probably nine through 11 because we have that extra game. But, man, coming out the gates, 12 straight games. And then the I believe the second half of the schedule got a lot of divisional games. So that was something that really, really stood out to me when I was talking about the Browns. The Browns have a, a strange schedule, in my opinion, uh, as far as the you know how the game shook out, as you mentioned, when they're played. I do think they got a break in the sense that those middle games before the bye, for the most part are against a lot of bad teams uh, or teams I would favor the Browns against. I'm feeling pretty good against, you know, the, the Broncos, the Bengals and the teams like that uh, ahead of the bye. And then they have this really weird situation where they play the Ravens have a bye week and play the Ravens again. And in the meantime, the Ravens have to go play the Steelers. And so I, really the Ravens got totally screwed by, uh, by this setup. But as a Browns fan, I look at that and I'm like, okay, well, then if the Browns have a chance in those games, they could really set themselves up well to win at least one of those. Maybe if they can steal the first one in Baltimore, then they've got a great opportunity to win both and win the division. So we were uh, on the last episode, we were doing a little bit of, of the case for the Ravens versus the Browns for the AFC North. Those are the two odds on favorites. The Ravens are just slightly ahead of the Browns as far as the favorite to win the division. And, and I was saying, you know, I think the Ravens are a better team. They also aren't going to have to deal with the continuity issues on the defensive side of the football that I think the Browns are, you know, the Browns are going to have seven or eight new guys on this defense that I think are going to help a lot, but they're going to have to integrate them into the team. But on the flip side, I, I was looking at the Ravens schedule and I think the Browns got a huge break compared to the Ravens, uh, both with, the, with that, you know, little two game split, but also just as a whole throughout the season. 
Yeah, and there's something else that's interesting. Um, not a lot of teams this year have three straight home games, and the Browns have that too, mm-hmm. which is uh, a nice luxury to have. That's sort of leading into that, you know, the middle of the season where you got those like Denver Bengals matchups that you were referring to. But yeah, man, I would agree with you. I, I do think that it's a two-team race. I see a lot of regression coming from the Steelers this year. A lot of it has to do with Ben Roethlisberger. A lot of it has to do with just the history of the NFL. It's hard for defenses unless you have all-time kind of defenses. Like everyone remembers the Legion of Boom, right? That 2012-2015 era of the Seahawks. Well, that's an iconic defense. You don't see teams repeat as the number one overall defense year in, year out. It just always just constantly rotates. Yeah, you might have a couple of teams that flirt with being a a top five to seven defense, but consistently being the number one defense and the Steelers last year, their defense is what really carried that. I mean, I mean, the last two years, right. You would, you would agree with, you know, the Mason Rudolph stuff Mm -hmm. and, and duck Hodges at quarterback when Ben went down a couple of years ago. Uh, But yeah, man, I'm, I'm fascinated by the Browns, dude. The Browns I think are a sneaky, sneaky, Super Bowl contender, I think, from a betting perspective. It's something that's caught my eye. I have the odds up in front of me right now. They're 16 to 1 over at DraftKings to win the Super Bowl. Um, love them to win their division. I'm kind of shocked that they're not the favorite, honestly. I think there is Ravens bias from the sports books. Mm. Um, I do think that if Baker has won me over a little bit, but I do think if it was a different quarterback, people would feel higher about the Browns because I still think there's some uncertainty from probably a a national point of view on the Browns. I I think I'm in a similar boat to you with with Baker Mayfield, where he won me over a lot over the second half of the season. And I thought in the playoff games as well, I thought an underrated storyline in that Chiefs game is I thought Baker actually played very well. I, I thought Baker I had a great game, and obviously there were some key plays that didn't go the Browns' way, and they couldn't stop Patrick Holmes at all when he was healthy. But it, for, for the most part, I thought uh, on the offensive side of the football, I thought he held up well in the in the playoff context. But he is a tough quarterback to evaluate because he's been his three seasons are almost unlike any that that quarterbacks have experienced in the NFL, right? He comes in the first year, the team's a disaster, but he all of a sudden looks like he knows what he's doing. The Browns, you know, franchise quarterback sets the rookie touchdown record and everybody's on fire. They come into year two. Everybody's like, all right, we got this figured out. We got Freddie kitchens. Now, no Hugh Jackson. Like this is going to work great. It's a train wreck right from the start. Baker's terrible. The offense is terrible as a whole And then you come in year three with now finally a coach that seems like he knows what he's doing, but a weird year where he's got a great offensive line around him. They're totally healthy. Obviously Odell Beckham goes down, but for the most part, things are perfect for them. And he's got a great coach and they win a bunch of games, but also a pretty easy and workable schedule as well. So you're sitting here after three years and you're like, I've three different coaches three totally different outcomes. And now what am I supposed to expect in year four? I don't know. I I feel pretty good about it for the most part, because I believe in Kevin Stefanski. I believe in the offensive line around him uh, as well. So I think he's going to be upright and protected. And I think he's got a chance to develop, but he does need to take another step forward. If they are going to be in Super Bowl contention, like you're talking about. 
Dude, first of all, Kevin Stefanski, that's my guy. I bet him last year at FanDuel at yeah. uh, 14 to 1 to be coach of the year. Um, it, it happens all the time, dude. I think one thing that I look at for coach of the year is one of two things has to happen, right? You need to find the team that had a lot of expectation the year before and they fell flat. Your Browns. They were the third favorite to win the Super Bowl in 2019. I didn't understand that. I was completely off, hammered the under, hammered them not winning the division, hammered them not to make the playoffs, spot on analysis. The next year, they get Stefanski. And all they had to do was make the playoffs. And I thought that that was the year to bet on the Browns because there was no expectation going into that season like there was the year before. And he won that. And Stefanski will forever be my guy for that reason. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned something about Odell, dude. And, you know, he's he's one of my favorite long shots for comeback player of the year. And he's he's 25 to one. Probably going to be Dak Prescott, though, because mm. Dak Prescott, I mean, what's his floor? Four thousand yards, 25 touchdowns. Why? Well, I know. Who's going to beat them in that division either? So he's probably going to have a, a at least a, a playoff team, even if the record's not that good. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I actually really like Washington a lot this year. Um, Washington is, I mean, defensively, I think they have a chance to be the best defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And now they have a quarterback who's, I, I think interesting is the best way to put it with Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Because he has those games where he'll throw four touchdowns and then he's pulled at halftime two weeks later, but he has a really loaded offense, uh, Antonio Gibson, Curtis Samuel coming over. I have a soft spot for Curtis Samuel Henry because he played in the same public school athletic league that I did in high school. Uh, he, he's from Brooklyn and uh, me being from Queens in New York city. So I always like following the kids from, from the city that go on and play at, at different levels. Uh, he actually played at Ohio state. Are you an Ohio state fan being in? So I grew up an Ohio state fan. Uh, I then went to Northwestern university. So I, I, I dropped my allegiances to Ohio state uh, for Copy. the most part. I mean, Look, my entire family are huge Ohio State fans. So uh, when they're not playing Northwestern, they still have a soft spot in my heart as well. But they beat Northwestern badly enough. Chase Young, in particular, had a, a, a hand in that a, a couple times as well. So I, uh, yeah, I can't say I, I feel for them what I used to feel. Yeah. So, so uh, Curtis Samuel played at Ohio State too. Terry McLaurin, another Buckeye. And I just think that they have a very solid team. And Look, there's a lot of question marks, I think, in that division. I don't know what to make of the Eagles. On it, to be honest with you, bro, I hope they crash and burn. Um, and their season, they finish 3-14 and 14 because there's not a team in all the professional sports I hate more than the Philadelphia Eagles being a Giants fan. The Giants, I really like the roster, but I don't know what to make of Daniel Jones. I mean, I know what to make of him. I, I think he's he's awful, but <laughs> this, is, this is the make-or-break season for him, right? Year three. There's no excuses. Your, your first round pick is a wide receiver. You bring in Kenny Galladay. Uh, you get Saquon back. So this is if the Giants end up plummeting again and not make the playoffs, you probably are looking for another quarterback. But if you're a Browns fan, man, uh, I just think it's going to be a fun year. A lot of expectations going back to Odell 25 to one. I think he's interesting. Um, Dak is the heavy favorite, but I do think that 
if you want to get a little wild and be a degenerate, I think Odell is uh, a nice long shot there. And I mean, my pick for defensive player of the year is another Brown too. So there seems to be a lot of Brown <laughs> interest on my end from a betting standpoint. I, I don't think the Odell pick is bad uh, because I think they started to figure out how to use him the last couple of games before he tore his ACL. And I know there are some stats about Baker and Odell, you know, Baker being better when Odell's not in the game and that he might, you know, there's the idea that he tries to force the ball to Odell, but I think they're going to have it figured out this year. I think they're going to be able to find that synergy together. And I think he's really going to take the top off the defense. His rehab looks good. I think that Baker's a phenomenal downfield passer. And I think he will find Odell for some big plays this year. So I like that. And then, you brought up Miles Garrett too uh, in Defensive Player of the Year. Miles My- Garrett, before he got COVID, was the best defensive player in football last year, and I, I honestly don't think it was very close. I'm not sure everybody realized it until it was right before he got COVID and missed a couple games. But he was absolutely destroying people, and he, I don't think, was himself down the stretch. And then he also got banged up in that Chiefs game from an injury perspective as well. And I thought that was one of the under talked about pieces of that game is of course the the Browns didn't have a great defense to begin with last year and we're going to struggle to stop Patrick Mahomes but Miles Garrett was played maybe 50 percent of the snaps in that game too and he was their one chance yeah and I think that that no call at the goal line is going to be one that's going to be replayed Mm, for that entire (laughs) week and even I mean how many times do you think they're going to come back to that play when the Chiefs and Browns play over or under two and a half, you taking the over or what? Oh, over, over easily. Yeah. That, I, that, yeah, that, that one stings uh, for Browns fans, undoubtedly. I, yeah, I, I've long maintained that the, the Browns lost the game by not being able to stop Chad Henney when they had him in third and 14. And although that play uh, with Sorensen and Higgins was a bummer for sure. And it, it was the wrong call. And that, I was just like, you know, that happens. Like, there are wrong calls in playoff games. Obviously, it had huge implications. You know, it was a, probably a 10-point swing where Higgins goes in for a touchdown, and instead the Chiefs get a field goal before halftime. But the Browns had Chad Henney in third and 14 and couldn't get him off the field. And that's why I think this team is so exciting this year is because, they, you know, they had some injuries, number one, which is part of the reason their defense wasn't good to begin with. But they also basically, outside of Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett, are putting together an entirely new defense for this season. Yeah, man, I like uh, I like the <laughs> excuse me the personnel that they got, and even Clowney too, man. Like, look, he's he hasn't lived up to expectations, but now he's the opposite a guy who's going to command all the attention once again. Like, I think Clowney's best suited being a Robin on a on a team with an elite pass rusher. So, I'm excited. I'm excited for you. I I think the Browns are are almost. I don't want to say a lock, but I would be shocked if they don't win double-digit games. And so I'm surprised the Vegas under, you know, over/under for the Browns has kind of hovered in that nine and a half, ten range. I I just don't see how this team doesn't get to ten games, looking at their schedule, and probably eleven. I'm feeling pretty good about that for the most part. Uh, so I, I'm I'm very excited about this team. Browns fans, of course, are never satisfied. Uh, you know, there's. Uh, the Julio Jones rumors uh, have been going around this week and you brought up Odell. I mean, to me, the Browns have no need for Julio Jones with Odell returning with Jarvis Landry and and all those guys. But then, you know, there's now uh, AJ Brown is recruiting uh, Julio Jones to the Titans. 
so another AFC contender, the Patriots have been mentioned. What, what do you make of that situation and what's going on with him? All this breakdown and analysis that I'm about to get into with Julio, I got to give a shout and love to my guy, Alan. Uh, he was on my show. He's on, he comes on my show often. He's my co-host during the NFL season, and he covers the Atlanta Falcons on multiple different platforms. And he's actually interviewed Julio Jones a handful of times in person after games. And one thing that he said is, when Julio speaks, there seems to be a command of any room that he's in because he doesn't speak much. So when he does, it's noticeable and it's very apparent that he wants his voice to be heard. So when Julio Jones says that he's done with the Falcons, he's done. Uh, it's very uncharacteristic of him to say that. So that's why it resonated with so many people. Um, with that being said, he is one of my favorite players of all time to watch um, the everyone that follows my brand, they know about Julio uh, it's he's done very, very well for me. in the daily fantasy standpoint has won me a lot, a lot of money. He's also cost me a lot of money too, Henry. So don't start asking me for donations because <laughs> you got to take it up with the double sticks over in Atlanta. Um, so here's the thing, right? With Julio Jones, he's still uh, a, a top flight wide receiver. He's still an elite wide receiver. The idea that he's injury prone outside of last season um, is just wrong. He has been very durable actually. Um, and he's just productive. Like when he plays, you could just put him down for 1400 yards. Uh, the notion of him not scoring a lot of touchdowns, he gets doubled and triple teamed. And that's why Austin Hooper, scored all those touchdowns, and then he signs that big contract coming over to Cleveland. That's why Calvin Ridley shines in the red zone. Most Sanu got paid money because of him. So a lot of attention is on Julio. I, if, if I'm a team, if I'm a team with a rookie quarterback or a team that has a quarterback that I haven't paid yet, I don't know how you're not chomping at the bits to get your hands on Julio Jones. For me, I'll tell you why, I, I, at least for the Browns, I, I don't really see it. Number one, they are going to have to pay Baker next year. So the, they're running up against it a little bit. And Julio not only has a $19 million cap hit for this year, I think it's 23 next year. I could, I, it, it might be, I might have flipped those two, but a significant cap hit for Julio. And to me, it's more so that the Browns just, uh, it feels like the fan base wants to upgrade the wide receiver position. Uh, and I just don't think they need it. I, I think. The Browns fans felt frustrated that they didn't have that vertical threat last year versus the Chiefs. And I just think that's Odell. And he tore his ACL last year, and that was that was a bummer. But he, I think he's going to come back. I think he's going to be great, like you said. They already have that guy on, on their team. And then I think they need somebody younger for the future. I, I think Odell, Jarvis, they're both getting up there in age. Julio Jones doesn't really solve that problem for, for the Browns kind of as a long-term you know, number one option for Baker, because I don't think that will be Odell, even if he does resign with the Browns, which I don't think he's going to resign with the Browns after this year anyway. So to me, it, it doesn't make sense for the Browns to give up draft compensation. However, you're talking about a team like the Titans. I hope Julio Jones does not go to the Titans. I am, I will be just fine with him going to the Patriots or some other team that I don't feel like is actually a contender against the Browns. Yeah, the the when the report came out that Cleveland was interested, I didn't really understand it. I don't think skill position 
is a position of need for Cleveland. So I think it would just be just collecting a big name, very, very old school Oakland Raider like of Cleveland if they went and got Julio Jones. Uh, yeah, Tennessee makes a lot of sense, right? You lose Jonu Smith, you lose Corey Davis. That's about 50% of the target share between the two of them from last season. Uh, I'm on record on many, many podcasts saying that I'd probably take A.J. Brown as my top wide receiver this year in both fantasy and I'm betting him over on catches. I'm betting him over in yards because who else is going to get targets on that team? Josh Reynolds? No, I've watched Josh Reynolds enough on the Rams. Like, I'm good. I'm good, fam. So I think uh, A.J. Brown is going to have a gigantic season. And Julio Jones goes there. I still feel the same way. I still think AJ Brown is going to continue to just thrive because he'll probably step into the number two role uh, opposite of Julio Jones. But yeah, if you're, if you're Julio, I, I don't understand these reports of him going to new England. It's not like he played with Mac Jones. I get the Alabama ties. Like this is a decade removed since Julio Jones was there. Um, I, I don't get that. If I could fantasy book, dude, to use the wrestling term, uh, I'm I'm all in. I'm already financially invested in Justin Herbert to win MVP. Uh, he checks all the boxes. The second year quarterback coming off a nice season, uh, talented roster around him. They're one of my favorite bets to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win the division because Mahomes is there. I'm not going to get too crazy. But man, could you imagine? Could you imagine? Julio Jones on the Chargers, where they're not paying Justin Herbert yet. You got Keenan Allen underneath. You got these like weird speedster wide receivers that were making some big plays last year with Justin Herbert. You get Austin Eckler back, improved offensive line. They, they got three new starters on the O-line, similar to what the Browns did last year in free agency, right? You got two new tackles. You solved what you had going into 2019, probably the worst offensive tackle situation in the league to having probably the best offensive tackle situation in the league or, or in the AFC, at least for me, man, if I could, uh, it would be dope as hell for him to go to a team like the chargers. I love that fit. Uh, well, I, I love it from an aesthetic standpoint, watching the NFL and, uh, and also liking Julio Jones's game. I don't love it as a Browns fan, of course, because I do think that would be a good fit for the chargers. And you mentioned it, it, the Chargers, to me, uh, the reason why I think they, the hype is not overblown with them, and you brought up the Browns in 2019. I also was just out on the Browns in 2019, and, and for one simple reason. They didn't have the offensive line. And every year when, when teams get hyped up, it's like, hey, do they have an offensive line or do they not have an offensive line? Because if we've learned anything in the NFL for the last, I don't know, two decades is – if you don't have an offensive line, you're not going to make a massive improvement year over year. It doesn't happen. And the Chargers upgraded at the tackle spot with Slater. They upgraded at center. They're going to have Herbert protected. And so the hype almost seems to be getting out of control. But at the same time, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I'm buying the Chargers as well as a playoff team. The only thing working against them is they have a brutal start to their schedule. And the they, they have the Browns early on, but, man, they've got a bunch of other tough games that they are going to have to contend with early, and we're going to find out real quick how good of a defensive coach that they have there with Staley because they are 
up against it right from the start. They they get the Chiefs, they get the Ravens, they get the Browns. I I think they're going to have a, a tough time early on, but I, I do think they'll they'll be right in kind of contention for that six seven you know wild card spot. Yeah, I got their schedule in front of me. Uh, at Washington, home to Dallas, at KC, home to the Raiders and Browns, and then at Baltimore. If you're a Chargers fan, if you're a Chargers backer, you're you're hoping for at least three and three. If you can get through the first six weeks mm-hmm. at three and three, anything more than that is you're playing with house money there. Uh, but I do think that for as hard it is, as it is for the Chargers to start the season, it's going to be hard for some of these teams going up against Herbert and those guys. They get Derwin James mm-hmm. back too, uh, who is an absolute game wrecker in the secondary for them. And I think that you have to always think of it as, yeah, the schedule is going to be hard for said team, but also it's going to be hard for those teams playing said team, which is what I think the example is right here with the Chargers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly winnable games uh, against the Washington football team, against the Cowboys. You wouldn't say those teams are juggernauts necessarily, but just – I, I think teams that are not going to go down easy and then, yeah, a tough stretch against what I would consider the, the elite teams in the AFC with the Ravens, Chiefs, and, and Browns there. I think that's going uh, to be tough. And then you see the Raiders, and who knows? I mean, they, they're frisky with their car, another team with a tough schedule, maybe outside chance that uh, they find their way into a different quarterback at that point too. So who knows? Yeah, and that's a that's another topic I wanted to discuss with you because that came up this week too. Is at what point would you, which franchise quarterback are you giving up on to trade for Aaron Rodgers? Because Aaron Rodgers clearly wants out, right? And people have links to the Broncos, uh, you know, as the team that makes a lot of sense for him, based on I guess his interests and their lack of a quarterback and the fact that they have weapons and a decent roster. To me, though, the only other team that I can think of that makes sense is the Raiders. <clears throat> A-Rod feels a little Vegasly. He he likes the glamour. He likes the spotlight. It feels like John Gruden just, for some reason, is just so out on, on Derek Carr and has made that very public at times. So that's the only other team that I could see making a move for Rodgers this season. But do you think he ultimately stays in Green Bay? The Browns have both the Broncos and the Packers on the schedule this year. And some people are saying, Hey, the Broncos might have him by the time they face off versus the Browns. But I, I think ultimately stays in green Bay, but if not, I feel like Vegas is the sleeper. So there's a lot to digest there. Um, I don't understand. I, I mean, I do understand the frustration with them spending a first round pick on a quarterback and not surrounding him with a lot more, on the offensive side, but let's not get it twisted, man. The Packers are legit. And yeah, a lot of it is because Rogers is there, but let's not pretend like he's playing with a, a shitty roster. He has an all pro caliber running back in Aaron Jones, who they paid. They got a, the, the best wide receiver in football. He's been the best wide receiver for the past, like two and a half seasons in the NFL Devontae Adams. Um, He's coming off an MVP season for as as bad as the complaints were. He won that with Alan Lazard and MVS and St. Brown and all those other random guys that they throw out there. They do get elevated because of Aaron Rodgers. So if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're going to the Raiders 
the Packers have a better roster. They have a better roster than the Broncos, too. Well, I think the Broncos have, yeah, the Packers have a better roster top to bottom, but I, I would put the Broncos skill players collectively above the Packers. Now, Devontae Adams is head and shoulders the, the best skill player on both sides, but I like Hamler. I like Sutton. I like Fant. I like Judy. Um, they drafted a, a, a running back that I like a lot. They, they have Melvin Gordon, too. The, the only thing holding back Denver really is, is Drew Locke being, you know, trash. Uh, he was, I never liked Drew Locke. Um, the, the, one of the reports of that draft class, Henry, was when Daniel Jones got taken, Denver traded out of that 10th spot because they thought Daniel Jones would be there, and they traded back. Pittsburgh came up. Pittsburgh took Devin Bush. And then they settled for Drew Locke. And Drew Locke has not been, you know, the best moment for Drew Locke's career is when he's singing, you got put on, uh, put it on, put on, excuse me, by young Jeezy on the sideline. And he's like, you know, singing and rapping those lyrics. But I just think that if you're Rogers, I, I do think, you know, he doesn't have any guaranteed money on his contract heading into this season too. So if they turn around and they just slap him with a three-year, $150 million extension, making him the highest-paid quarterback on an annual basis, I think that's a way to open up the door to having the conversation of coming to, coming back, right? Because when he talks, right, they throw $100 million guaranteed at him. Yeah, I think Hawaii and this vacation that he's on could wait a couple more weeks, you know? So, look, there's a part of me that thinks that if the money gets brought into the situation – a lot of things could get solved. I know that sounds terrible. Um, money is the, the root of all evil, but it also helps you alleviate a lot of stresses in your life when you do have money. So not to say that Aaron Rodgers is not doing well for himself, but look, he's going to be 38 in December. He's coming off an MVP season. So even if he declines a little bit, he's still playing at a high level. I I think he stays in Green Bay if I had to if I had to make that call, I think he ultimately stays in green Bay. I think he's going to be there this year. And then I think he'll be gone. And I think, I think the Packers are a prime regression candidate. In my opinion, I thought that defense took a step back last year as it was. And I know that the offense, it, you know, took a step up and that Rogers played great, but with the center departure and Lindsay and, I just think it's going to be tough for him to go back into that locker room. I feel like that's going to be a hard sell to your team. Be like, it's not you guys, it's everybody else. But, and I know he said it's not his teammates on, on that sports center interview with Kenny Maine and all, but how, do, how is a teammate of Rogers? Do you not look at that and be like, cool. He does not want to play with us. I feel like that's the only way to interpret the situation right now. And so I feel like that team has a lot of reworking to do. Yeah, they may bring him back from a money perspective, but it, that's going to be a, a toxic locker room, I think, added into this season, and, and I think it's going to go poorly, honestly. Well, yeah, if you're, if you're a guy like Aaron Jones who took a little bit of less money to return to Green Bay, and then the reason why you do it is because you want to play with Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, this team is also back-to-back, NFC title games, right? This isn't a team that is a borderline playoff team. Like, no, this is a team who is 
you know, a play or two goes differently in that Bucks game than you have the Packers in the Super Bowl. Um, so I think if you're Rodgers, yeah, I don't think it's his teammates. It's it's a thousand percent the GM who he's made it very clear that he is not on the same page with him. And it happens a lot, man. When you have that aging quarterback and that new GM comes in and they want to get the heir apparent. Because if you find the quarterback, I, I read this article one time, uh, I believe it was Bill Polian who said, he said, when you find your quarterback, you buy your house, you don't rent it. Saying that like, you're, you're going to be a GM for that team for, you know, eight to 10 years, as opposed to, man, I don't have a quarterback. I might get fired in two, three seasons. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think he's there this year. And then after that, he goes elsewhere. And it's, it's so reductive at some point to say it comes down to the quarterback, but a lot of the sport does. I mean, how the Browns have been able to turn this thing around is they didn't have to spend their first round draft pick uh, on a quarterback anymore. They got to spend it on a left tackle. They got to spend it on a corner that they need. Right. And then, you know, when you've got that quarterback on a rookie deal, you can go sign Clowney. You can go sign John Johnson in, in the secondary. And it, it just, you know, having that player, is so essential to your team. And then having the guy be bought into your organization is so essential. And I think that's the part that, that about Baker Mayfield that has made him so uh, appealing to Browns fans is he's just bought in. He, 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 you know, he wears Cleveland on his shoulder. He, he reps the city. He always is hyping up his teammates. He's a fun player to root for. And then you look at the Packer situation where you've already got it made, right? You've got a guy who's, well, way more established, obviously, than Baker Mayfield, who's done you know, everything for the most part the right way in Green Bay. And sure, he can be a little surly at times and all that, but has won you a Super Bowl, has, has put your team in a great position for 10 to 15 years. For you not to communicate with that guy, for you not to please that guy. I mean, to me, it's idiotic. And the worst part of it is, let's be honest, Jordan Love can't play. Because if Jordan Love could play, they would be having a conversation about trading Aaron Rodgers right now. But everybody knows that Jordan Love is not ready to play. And so they made him unhappy, did not tell him about all of this stuff, that they were going to draft a quarterback, that they were going to let you know one of his favorite receivers go, that his quarterback coach was going to go. They they broke this bridge, and then simultaneously, while they did it, you know, in theory, to find the heir apparent, they didn't even do that. Yeah, you know, it, I presented the case of a Julio Jones for Jordan Love, and whoa, yeah, I mean, think about it, right? Atlanta, so Atlanta's in a very very interesting spot where it could go south really really bad. Um, Julio mentioned that he wanted out back in March and then Atlanta proceeds to still take Kyle Pitts number four overall. So you're looking at this offense and it's dope if you're playing fantasy and it's dope for offense and stats, but their defense is going to be abysmal this year again. And Matt Ryan is 36 turning 37 and he is a very polarizing player on NFL Twitter and they didn't take a chance on Justin Fields. Dude, if Justin Fields becomes uh, a, a legitimate starter and a game changer, I compared him. He reminds me a lot of Deshaun Watson coming out from Clemson. And if he becomes that dude and you're at Atlanta, you had a chance to take him knowing that Matt Ryan is on the decline. 
and Julio told you that he wanted to be out and you still take a wide, you still take a skill player. It's like, you know, two years from now, you're looking at this team and it's like, who's the quarterback. And especially if, if Justin Fields is competing for divisions in the North and he's the guy, I mean, let's take a look at that division right now. Right. Kirk cousins, 33, 34 years old. Rogers is going to be 38. Jared Goff. I mean, I've said enough about him by just mentioning his name. Justin Fields might be that guy with the Bears. And it might get really, really bad if you're Atlanta. So what's one way to maybe find the solution? Julio wants out. Green Bay got a quarterback that's a backup. Rodgers isn't. If they make a move like this, Rodgers stays in Green Bay for another four years. Still playing at a high level now. I think quarterbacks now you can prolong your career so much longer than you could before. I mean, obviously Tom Brady's an outlier. I'm not saying you're going to win Super Bowls at 43, but I think guys could play into their 40s. And look, Rodgers just won MVP, like we mentioned before. So Jordan Love for Julio Jones. Video is coming out tomorrow. Who says no to that? Who says no to that, Henry? Uh, For me, it's the Falcons because, again, because number one, I feel like if Jordan Love could play, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Where And secondly, I mean, if you're the Falcons, wouldn't you trade Julio Jones for number one draft compensation instead? Number two, if you want to go the quarterback route, Jimmy Garoppolo, Cam Newton, like somebody who can who can play. And I understand those guys are a little bit older, but they've got a tough, tough cap situation as it is. So I I feel like they're they're kind of stuck with Matt Ryan for the next two years anyway. So I feel like you get some insurance for him, maybe. Uh, and then he eventually you got to go draft someone for sure. Or they could, you know, they could have gotten in, you know, like the Sam Darnold sweepstakes or something like that. But I just don't see who that like young backup quarterback is that, you know, you really have to trade Julio for. Because to me, I, I, I didn't like Jordan Love coming out of school. And the fact that he was the third string quarterback at times last year and they haven't had, there has been zero buzz about him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm passing if I'm Atlanta. I think you could trade him to a contender and get some real value. And I think there'll be a bidding war. And yeah, I just, I, I, I've never understood this hype with Atlanta. There's been some weird offseason hype. And I do like Arthur Smith, their coach who's going to be able to do some things, but you said it, this defense is terrible. And, and so there are, te- there are the team to me where I see them getting a lot of off season hype. No way. I'd rather, I, I'd rather have the bears this year. I I'm still a Matt Nagy believer. I'm a Justin Fields believer. They've got a good defense. I mean, there are tons of teams that I would take to turn it around over to the Falcons. Well, this is where um, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. There was something interesting with Matt Ryan, right? He was 85 to 1 when they drafted Kyle Pitts to win MVP. Now, for 85 to 1, you look at that offense Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, Julio Jones, Gage in the slot. That's a, it's a pretty dope offense. That, that's an offense where he can throw close to 5,000 yards, 30, 35 touchdowns do something very similar to what he did when he won MVP, if not even better. Now, again, it's the team success, right? Um, 10 of the last 11 quarterbacks, uh, t- 10 of the last 11 winners of MVP have been quarterbacks. All of them have had 11 or more wins in the season that they won MVP. So when, when you're going to make a bet on MVP, you got to say, is this team going to make the playoffs? Are they going to win 11 games? I don't see that with Atlanta. 
And also now at the time that we're recording, dude, DraftKings Sportsbook, 33 to one odds for Matt Ryan to win MVP. Don't like it as much as I did at 85 to one. So at 85 to one, you're like, yo, you know what? Not, not terrible. At 33 to one, you're like, nah, man, I'd rather bet on Russ to win MVP. Like there's smarter bets in that range. What's Baker Mayfield about to win MVP? I'm curious. Uh, 33 to one as well. So it's Tannehill, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and Baker at 33 to one. I wouldn't say I love Baker because I think the Browns are obviously going to run the ball a lot with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So I think the stats uh, from a passing perspective might not be there. But I do think uh, if you look at kind of, you know, of course, the, you know, the Patrick Mahomes type guys that are going to be really favored at the top. But if you look at teams that have a chance to just, you know, win a couple more games than it's expected and break through into that top tier, I do feel like the Browns are one of those teams. And so I feel like that's where you could get some value on Mayfield. Now, 33 to 1, I don't think there's any value there. But I was just curious. I thought I hadn't really crossed my mind, uh, Baker for MVP and until you brought it up. But I was just I was just wondering what the odds were there. So who's who's ahead of him as far as the quarterbacks? You mentioned the the guys in that range. Obviously Mahomes and, and Wilson and and Rodgers. I have to assume. Yeah. So the favorite is Mahomes, followed by Rodgers, Josh Allen, Tom Brady. This one was kind of surprising. Uh, Matthew Stafford is fifth. Mm. Though, though, I'm telling you right now. That's my pick to win the Super Bowl. I I was in on the Rams uh, when they signed Stafford. I think I think golf has held them back tremendously, more so than people have have uh, have realized. And so I'm I'm with you. The only thing is, I think the Browns took two of their better players in the secondary this last season, and John Johnson and uh, a Troy Hill. So they are going to need to replace those guys. It's not impossible, but Jalen Ramsey is great. He's not the only guy that, that made that secondary so elite last season. So that's the only thing holding me back slightly is they're going to, they're going to have to find some guys out of the, out of the woodwork on that team to fill in some of the holes. Absolutely agree with you. The, the Browns robbed them of two of their better defensive players, but I will say one thing, the Rams do a great job of developing defensive backs in that system. Uh, remember Tremaine Johnson, there was a guy, his name is escaping me right now, and it's pissing me off that the Eagles signed from the... Uh, Robbie uh, Coleman? No, not Coleman. He was a safety. He was a safety that the Eagles signed from the LA Rams in around the 2017, 2018 range. If you could find that to me, you'd be saving me on this one. So with, with that said, I think... Rodney McLeod? Yes, McLeod. Yes, McLeod was a baller for them when he came over from the Rams to the Eagles. I was very upset being a Giants fan. I'm like, damn, that guy caused mayhem with the Rams. So, and they have Aaron Donald to it. So they just developed the defensive back position a lot. But with Stafford, what's really dope is Stafford had a weird, weird career, right? Like he came into the league and people were pissed off that he made $50 million guaranteed before he even took a snap, right? Like he was the last of that 50, $60 million guaranteed era uh, of those number one picks coming in, right? And then, like, it almost got cut in half, where now the number one picks makes around, like, $35 million guaranteed. Uh, you know, Henry, I hope one day I make $35 million guaranteed uh, on my contract, and people complain about that and call me overrated. But with that said, Stafford is on Detroit, and he's had, what, two playoff appearances? And he 
there was like a 47 or 48 game stretch a couple of years ago where they didn't have a hundred yard rusher since Reggie Bush and then carry on Johnson broke it. And Aaron Rodgers was on a podcast and he was talking about Matthew Stafford. And he said, all of you guys that love these no look Pat Mahomes passes and these like running to your right and throwing it across field, those wild plays. This dude has been doing that since Georgia, but we don't talk about him because he plays on the lions and he's always going to be overshadowed by Aaron Rodgers in that division. So I, I think they are my favorite bet to win the Super Bowl. They're my favorite team to win the Super Bowl. And now McVay is probably saying to himself, I got a dude that could chuck it 70 yards. He has some weapons, right? Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, Baller, Higby is still there. So Matthew Stafford is another guy that I do have my eye on to win MVP. The reason why I said I was shocked is I was shocked how high he was. I thought he'd be more in that Baker range. Right. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times when you're betting, it's it's finding the 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 right time to bet on someone. Right. Like if you bet Matt Ryan at 85 to one, I'd be like, oh, that's a that's a nice bet compared to betting him now at 33 to one. I'm like, oh, there's not you know, you, you lost it there. You lost the juice there. Uh, so after Stafford, it's Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. And then it's that Baker, Ryan, Tannehill, Wentz uh, range. No, no, non. The first non quarterback is Derrick Henry at 50 to one. And if he didn't win MVP last year, he's never going to win MVP. Dude had 2,000 yards and scored 17, 18 touchdowns. I think it was 17. It's like, and they made the playoffs. So it's, it's literally a quarterback or nothing. Like the guy literally had 2,000 yards. There's been like six or seven people to do that. And he didn't win MVP. So it's never going to happen again, probably. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. It takes something really, really insane. And and I like Stafford actually yeah, out of those guys for the value. I, I also think something because he's been on a team that's been pretty mediocre is people don't think of him as being a clutch quarterback. And he, and if you go look at the numbers, he's got tons of come from behind fourth quarter victories. And I understand he's gotten a lot of opportunities because the Lions aren't very good and haven't been winning a lot of those games, but he's delivered a lot. And I, as somebody who's, Actually, you know, seen a fair number of Lions games, you know, being from the Cleveland area, there's a bunch of Lions fans there as well. I, I think he's he's definitely flown under the radar as a guy that's just gotten no help for years. And it, it has a chance to be a really good, a really, you know, feel good story, I, I think, with him and the Rams this year. And to me, they are the dark horse team that I am I'm circled in on as well. And there's one other name that stood out to me there that you read. And I just, I, I got to get your thoughts on this because the team, Nick, that I am selling the stock of are as hard as I possibly can really is the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. I, I feel like they are getting lots of hype and it's, it's Number one, I think Tyler's because of his fantasy skills, I think has has gotten a little bit overrated as a quarterback. But more importantly, somebody needs to explain to me why people think the Arizona Cardinals are going to be good this season with Cliff Kingsbury as their head coach. Go look at their offensive numbers. Like they're not that good. They you would think like, oh, Kyler Murray, like offensive coach, Cliff Kingsbury, all this stuff. Their offense has been terrible the last couple of years. They've been in the bottom 10 in the league for his first few years. And I don't think the defense is great. I think the offensive line's a work in progress. And so 
Tyler may be good, but I don't think he's the next Russell Wilson. And so I don't think he's going to be able to overcome all of that. And I feel like people are talking him up like he's he's the future. I, I saw you. You were surprised, though, by that take. What are your thoughts on the Cardinals this season? No, I'm, I'm surprised at the slander of Kyler Murray because I'm a big Kyler Murray fan. Last year, he was my my pick to win MVP. And after the Hill Murray, he was actually it was him and Mahomes were essentially a coin flip. It was a two man race at the time. It was around week 10, 11. And then he got hurt against New England and his career, not career, but his season really plummeted. But you're right. A lot of his appeal is the fantasy aspect, the running around. He was my fantasy quarterback, dude. And I got him in like the 12th round. And he was putting up like 25 burgers for me every week just because and he would like the game he played against the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. He completed nine passes. He put up like 32 points in my fantasy league because he ran for like 100 yards, scored a touchdown. So that's where his appeal is. The thing that sucks about the Cardinals is their division is uh, like they're the fourth best team in that division. Yeah, it's chaos. That division is out of control, right? You got to expect the Niners to be better because they had the season of hell, right? Like every year there's a team that has that season from hell, and it was the Niners. They lost like nine of their 22 starters from the Super Bowl uh, between free agency and like week three. Uh, they lost Bosa also. They lost, you know, that, that, that rough patch where Kyle Shanahan was complaining about the turf and MetLife where they played those back-to-back games against the Jets and the Giants. By the way, that turf, I've been on that turf. It's it's like a very hard turf. It's it's weird. I don't want to say it's astral turf, but it's like just like two levels below that. Um, mm. So it's really not I, – I understand the complaints for that. But with Kyler Murray, you're right, man. I do think it's Cliff Kingsbury that holds them back. Um, but Kyler Murray – the offensive line is a work in progress, right? Got sacked 48 times his rookie season, only 27 last year. So got to be, they're making strides. Mm-hmm. Um, they just have a lot of like fun players on their team, right? Like Chase Edmonds is a guy who is a fantasy darling. Anytime he gets a chance to start, they got D hop Christian Kirk. They, they drafted a wide receiver. They bring in AJ green, who at this point is, you know, it's a shame that that happens to guys in their careers. Cause like AJ green was arguably a top three wide receiver for about six, seven years. Yeah. Uh, you would know that very well. Just, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. You know, just, just lighten up the Browns. <laughs> you're, you're out. But uh, yeah, man, I, I agree with you. I don't get the hype. I'm off Kyler Murray from a uh, like MVP standpoint, Arizona ruined the great parlay that I had last year, uh, a make to make the playoffs bet. And they ruined it for me. So they are on my shit list as well for that reason. But I just think it's more so the Cliff Kingsbury aspect and that division being so ridiculous now than it is me not liking Kyler Murray, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I guess you. Yeah, and I, and I, I fully acknowledge that I think I'm slightly lower on, on Kyler than the consensus for sure. And because I feel like the the running piece of it is extremely dynamic, extremely you know great for fantasy football, but I think ultimately it's going to be tough to maintain for him in in his career because of injuries and things like that. And then I'm also a, a little salty, no doubt, because I really wanted the Browns to get JJ Watt. Now Jadavion Clowney is a nice consolation prize, and I think it, it'll work out just fine for the Browns. But Watt chose the Cardinals and said he, you know he wanted to win. And I wish I could just have a conversation with J.J. Watt and be like, what teams in your division exactly do you think you're finishing in front of? 
maybe the 49ers, but I don't think so. Uh, and so like, to me, they've got five or six losses on the schedule before they play the Browns or anybody else like that, just from their own division. So I am, I am talking a, a lot of, about the fact that I think the Browns are going to beat them when the Cardinals travel to Cleveland this year. And I think they're in trouble overall as a team. I, I, I don't know what the odds are for first coach fired, but uh, it, Cliff Kingsbury for me is uh, right up there as a guy that might not be there as long as people think. Oh, dude, you just got me a little switched on there. That's one of my favorite bets to make, and it's so terrible because you want a guy to lose his job. You know who I was thinking? Mike Zimmer. I, a lot of people aren't happy with Mike Zimmer. He has, he has basically the second-best record against the spread of any coach in the last two decades except for Bill Belichick. He, he always gets more out of his teams than you think. And I don't know. I, I, I know a lot, of, a lot of people have said that. And so you kind of get the feeling that, that Vikings ownership and management might be done with Zimmer. I like Zimmer as a coach, but I could see that happening too. I think Mike McCarthy also with the Cowboys could be a quick one where if they're not better halfway through the season, I think they could be, he could be in trouble too. Zach Taylor with the Bengals. There, there are a couple of good candidates, but to me, you've really got to find somebody with expectations that's going to disappoint to, to be fired early. Because if you don't like your coach, you just fire him at the end of the year, you get a new coach, move on. Like the Bengals have no expectations to make the playoffs anyway. The Cardinals could convince themselves that, hey, we should be in the playoff race right now. Like, let's see if we can turn this around. Man, he is 12 to 1. Mike Zimmer, 11 to 1. The favorite is Mike McCarthy to get fired first. Uh, that's interesting, man. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to be monitoring that. What's their schedule like, dude? Cause we gotta, we gotta do some fantasy booking and play the win loss, win loss thing to see if they come out the gates a little, a little difficult. So the Cardinals open up against Dallas. Oh no, no, sorry. That's the preseason. I apologize. So they open up at Tennessee, home, Minnesota at Jacksonville at Rams, home Niners at Browns, man. <laughs> Listen, I am I I'm a believer in the Jaguars to win the South this year. That is my favorite for a uh, worst to first pick in the divisions. It happens every year um, mm -hmm. where a team goes from last to first in, in the NFL and they just kind of check all the boxes for me, man. I love Trevor Lawrence. I've been a fan of Trevor Lawrence since I saw him on the Elite 11 Trent Dilfer stuff. When he was salivating at the mouth after Trevor Lawrence throw like a fade, he's like, where's Trevor? Where's Trevor? He throws the best passes. Oh, Trevor. You know, he's just over there getting all boned up about him. But the, the, the thing with the Jaguars is I, I like some of their pieces on offense. And I don't know what to make of Urban Meyer. Um, Got to wait and see in that. But let's take a look at that division real quick. Who knows what's going to happen with Watson? They have the lowest win total I think I've ever seen. And that includes an extra game being played this year. It's at four for the Texans, which is I wild. I saw that. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. It's, it's really, really ridiculous. Um, Tennessee defensively is going to be a work in progress. And look, unless they get Julio Jones, you're looking at AJ Brown and Derrick Henry. And that's about it. Nothing really else there. I've always been a Carson Wentz stand, which I never understood because I hate the Eagles, but I like Carson Wentz we got to wait and see what he's going to look like because it, it hasn't looked good. Uh, if Carson Wentz could be uh, anything close to what he was, 
I'm not going to say the MVP season because we're coming up on five years since that's happened. But if he can be what he was when, you know, two years ago when they made the playoffs where they didn't have a wide receiver have over 500 yards, where like Greg Ward, who was his number one receiver in the playoffs, I think the most stable team right now in that division might be the Jaguars. And I know it's crazy because they've been a laughing stock for so long. So that, but that, that ties into what I was saying about their schedule. It's like, yo, at Rams, the Niners in division at the Browns, like you might be one in five over there, dude. And first coast fired, Henry, I say we make an investment. I don't know about you, brother. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm liking that. I'm liking that. Uh, might have to, uh, make a trip out to Vegas uh, for, for the win bet, uh, bet there. Uh, I'd have first wager in, in Vegas, but I'm sure in FanDuel and DraftKings, FanDuel in Illinois already live as well. So uh, plenty, plenty of opportunities there for sure. And yeah, I, the Jags, uh, I can see it. I, I felt good about Urban Meyer when they hired him, but this, this Tebow stuff, some of the other things that they've done, drafting a first round running back, I just... Trevor Lawrence may just overcome it all and do that, but I think I would put my money on the stable organization of the Colts. I think the Colts won't blow anybody away this year. I think they're going to be the worst division winner easily in the AFC, but I do think they're going to be the team that does it, and they're going to be like 10 and 7 or 9 and 8, like really unimpressive, but they'll stack up those wins against the Texans. I believe in their coaching staff. I believe in the rest of the roster, and I think Wentz is going to be somewhere in the middle. I don't think he'll be what he was several years ago, and I don't think he'll be as bad as he was last year. And I think that'll be good enough for them to, to get the division. And, man, I know it happens every year, right? Every, you have to look for a team because it, every year there's a team that goes worse to first. The history says so. Looking around, it's just tough to see that team this year. I mean, you, you get the 49ers, I guess, stand out as the most obvious. The only other one I had circled is the Lions. And I know because everybody's making fun of Dan Campbell – that they're not a popular pick, but I do like that they've upgraded the trenches there. Golf obviously is not the long-term answer, but I just don't think anybody else in their division is going to be all that good. I think the Packers take a pretty big step back. So that's the only other one I could really think of, but I, I know it's going to happen. I know somebody's going to come out of the woodwork. And so, I mean, I'm, I say the lions and I'm just like, they're not going to win the division. They're not. But as I'm trying to convince myself, I'm like, they at least have some I, a path. There's just so many of these teams. I don't see the path. And, and so that's, and I mean, unless the Broncos get a rod, but it's, you're right. It's got to be somebody. And so I, I've got to, I've got to wrap my ha- head around one of these teams. Yeah. Again, you're, you're the third person to tell me about the Lions. And I don't really, know. I, yeah. I feel like that's, I'm the only person I've heard say that. So yeah, my it, buddy, it, my buddy, my buddy, Alan brought it up on the show. We, we dropped today. And then my other friend, Danny, just in, in texting, he's like, yo, what bets do you like this year? And he's like, kind of like the Lions to win the division. And uh, we're in a group chat with two other friends. And I text my buddy on the side. I was like, add me back. Cause I left the group chat when he told me, <laughs> then he added me back. I was like, I don't want to see that shit again. Like you're the third person, man. So I don't know. Maybe I got to look into this more. I don't see it. Cause I'm not a Jared Goff guy, and I don't know who's playing wide receiver for them. But, hey, crazier things have happened, for sure. And that, that that's all with, with like, the idea that Rodgers isn't in Green Bay. Because if Rodgers is in Green Bay, even if they regress, still going to probably win 11 to 12 games and win that division, I, I think. I would think so. I'm almost looking at teams I think could finish second when I look at that. And then 
you know, a, a team has a, an injury or something, you know, Rogers has been injury prone as well. You know, what if he has another collarbone thing, they've got no backups QB on that roster. So that's almost what I'm looking for. It's like, Hey, this team could finish second and then an injury could, you know, catapult them up to first. I mean, but he's just like Jags. No, I mean, for me, no, I know you said yes. Jets. Absolutely not. Bengals. No way in the Browns division. I'd be shocked. Uh, Broncos. No way. Unless they upgrade massively at quarterback Eagles. Couldn't believe less in a team than the Eagles this year. I think they're going to be terrible. Don't believe in Hurts at all. That organization's falling apart. Falcons, we already touched on. And so that leaves the 49ers, the obvious pick, but in a brutal division or the Lions. And so uh, by default, I'm left with the Lions, I guess. Yeah, by by default, that's what you probably settle on. But I I think your San Fran call is probably stronger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're a team that even – even if it's not Trey Lance, even if it's just Jimmy G the whole year, that team could win the division. I mean, the Seahawks are by no means a perfect team. The the Rams, you know, I think are going to be the better team than, than the 49ers. But you could there's a world where the 49ers are a better team than the Rams. So that's that's the obvious one. But yeah, yeah. Well, Nick, man, this was uh, this was a pleasure. Uh, I, I, I've kept you here for quite a while, but I appreciate you hopping on, man, to talk about all this NFL offseason stuff. You know, we talked obviously some Browns, but also just the whole league. It's been almost a little bit NBA-ish in terms of the offseason storylines. And so this has been a, a nice time. You know, the Browns don't have to worry about a new coach or a new quarterback that they just drafted. So figured we'd just kind of sit back and, and kick it and look at the, the rest of the league. So this was fun. Nah, dude, this was uh, this was cool. You know, you hit me up uh, sort of last last minute, but it was it fit it fit all the research I had just done on stuff <laughs> that I'm working on. So it was like, you know, I don't really need to prepare for much extra. So I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, you worked in uh, last minute for me. I appreciate that as well. And Browns fans, for all you listening out there, that will do it for this episode. Like we said on the last couple episodes, if you guys are looking to win some free Coors Light, leave a review with your Twitter handle there, and we will hit you up for that. Otherwise, there will be more episodes coming on this feed next week, a couple of other interviews lined up, and then also my co-host Jordan and I will be back on as well to talk news and anything else that pops up in the meantime. Until then, just two words for you. Go Browns!